Today is January 6, 2021. Trump gets in hot water for trying to find votes. The results of the Georgia Senate race start to trickle in, and Democrats really push their agenda. Welcome back, Split the Difference friends and Split the Difference family to another fantastic episode here on Split the Difference podcast hosted by yours truly, Austin Taylor. I can say with 100% confidence that this is definitely the best episode that we've done so far and I feel that all of you will feel the exact same way because we got all the good and the bad from the left, all the good and the bad from the right, and we're working to bring that sweet, sweet truth right there in the middle. So, we have a decent about amount to cover today. I am up bright and early here on this Wednesday morning. I've got my coffee over here, okay? Because we, we had a whole bunch of stuff going on yesterday and over the past couple days, so we're going to try to get to absolutely all of it, looking at both sides of the aisle, looking at the good and the bad and the ugly, and seeing where we can find a middle ground. Seeing where we can try to bring a little bit of unity to all of this conversation. I will admit, I tried to pre-record one or two of the segments last night. None of the recording actually went through, so I'm just doing it live today. Totally fine, though, because we are bringing you all the insights that you need. (laughs) All the good stuff. I stayed up late checking out the Georgia election so that you guys would have all the information that you need on it. And you know what? I think you guys are going to be pretty amazed at the results. So with all of that, without further ado, let's hop on into our first story of the day. Story number one. So for story number done, for story number one, Trump done did it again. Please hear me what I say. The Democrats are furious at Donald Trump right now, which I mean, I guess is nothing new, right? But they are they are not happy with him all over again. So he has caused a widespread freakout across the country. Democrats are once again jumping up and down and claiming that this is a smoking gun, that they have finally gotten the recording of Donald Trump doing something nefarious and illegal, and that this is finally what they're going to be able to use to just lock him up, put him behind bars. This is just so illegal. Everything that he's done is horrible. Blah blah. blah. Same same thing that they've been saying for a while. So. Republicans are once again working overtime in order to be able to defend somebody that has definitely done something shady and is honestly sort of indefensible at this point, right? So it's a tale as old as time. It's as if time is four years ago since, you know, if time was four years ago since Trump was elected. So let's go ahead and hop in for a brief overview real quick. Uh, Listen to CBS reporting on all this a couple days ago. Some Democrats, but also some legal experts say this could actually be criminal behavior. What exactly did the president say on that call? Well, good morning. In this remarkable phone call, the president does vaguely threaten the state election officials, implying that they could be prosecuted for not doing what he wants. And President Trump says he wants Georgia to address his claims ahead of the runoff elections there tomorrow. There's nothing wrong with saying that, you know, uh, that you've recalculated. Well, Mr. President, the challenge that you have is the data you have is wrong. In a stunning phone call this weekend, first obtained by the Washington Post, President Trump pressures Georgia's Republican Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, to find enough votes to overturn President-elect Joe Biden's win. Biden has received 16... Handing the state's 16 electoral votes to him instead. All right, so um, there you have it. It is 
obvious why this is blowing up across the country. And I mean, it's because it definitely does not look good for Trump, right? So basically what happens is Donald Trump calls Raffensperger, who is the Secretary of State there in Georgia, and is has this long, hour-long phone call with him and is saying a whole bunch of stuff, right? Like, we've won the election there in Georgia. What you're saying is wrong. There's no way that we lost. We've been going to the rallies. Have you been going to the rallies? The rallies have been huge, just tremendous, just really great stuff. Uh, we, I don't understand how we could have possibly lost. There's no way that Biden won this. We know, and you know, that I won. So I just need you to find around 12,000 votes. And if you do that, well, then, you know, we'll be fine. And I would have won the state. I would have carried the state. Well, obviously, Raffensperger was not having it, okay? Raffensperger has counted and recounted and recounted those votes in Georgia. And according to Raffensperger and pretty much everybody else in Georgia, that vote total is not changing anytime soon. So, while all of this was happening, Kelly Loeffler and uh, David Perdue both came out and said that they would be willing to join in with the crowd that has decided to vote against Donald Trump's, or basically Biden's election victory being sealed by the all of the electoral votes being counted in a joint session in Congress. So, uh, Donald Trump goes down to Georgia, okay? <laughs> Donald Trump goes down to Georgia. And uh, starts doing this rally, right? He's he's out there rallying and whatnot for David Perdue and Loeffler. And Loeffler are like, you know what? Loeffler and Perdue are like, you know what? In order for us to be able to win this election, we need to just double down with Trump, right? Trump is our guy. He is the people of, that Georgia really want to be able to see in the White House. He's who we're going with. So they just go all in on Trump, right? And taking a very, very calculated bet. Okay, and that calculated bet is basically that if they don't say that they are in total support of Trump, they're not going to get the Trump supporters to come out and vote for them. Because you have to remember, Trump actually garnered a lot more voters. He was able to get a lot more people out to vote for him than Republicans traditionally had in the past. Right. So Kelly, uh, Kelly Loeffler, David Perdue are basically standing there in Georgia and they're like, all right, we've got to do something here because, it, it, you know, it, things aren't looking that great. So we're going to just throw in on Donald Trump because we think he is the missing piece. He's the key to us winning. So um, all of this after an incredibly corrupt phone call that Donald Trump has, or basically it comes out that Donald Trump had an incredibly corrupt phone call, doesn't look very good. So a lot, of go, a lot is going on here, so let's look at it from both sides' perspectives like we always like to do. So from the left, the left is obviously furious about this. Everyone could have called it, right? But it isn't just anger here. They are also using this to garner a lot of support. So the left is well aware of the fractures that are happening right now within the Republican Party as a result of Donald Trump not only trying to flip these elections and stuff like that, but also because of his trying to consolidate the power. So the Democrats, quote-unquote, quote, sided with Trump over the past couple of weeks in order to be able to get uh, this, you know, stimulus check and stuff pushed through, which was blackballed by Mitch McConnell in the Senate. The Senate didn't pass it, so uh, higher stimulus checks wouldn't be coming through as a result of the establishment GOP, right? Trump sees this, decides he wants to consolidate power. We talked about this on Monday. Um, 
the Democrats side with Trump. But don't think for a minute that the Democrats are going to just side with Trump and then forgive him for anything in order to not in order to just like not get those stimulus shit. Like those Democrats, the only reason that they were talking about or siding with Trump at all was because they wanted to get those stimulus checks passed because they wanted for that to go on their records. Right? They didn't care about it going on Trump's record because Trump is gone in two weeks. Doesn't matter to them at all. They're just using Trump to push more problems within the Republican Party. And now that Trump has slipped, they're going to attack him like they always do. So they know that there is no way that they would actually be able to prosecute this thing that Trump is on this phone call saying. Right? So, um, two of cur- currently, I'll explain why in a second, but two House Democrats have already written into the FBI basically saying like, hey, you guys need to investigate this. This looks really, really iffy. Classic, that's just for show, okay? So in order to prove, in order to be actually be able to prosecute Trump for any type of like election fraud or any type of like uh, disenfranchising of voters or something like that, you would have to be able to cr- prove criminal intent, okay? Which is very, very difficult to do in the court of law based upon in, you know a couple of things that were said in a phone call, right? Very, very difficult to be able to do. Trump was on that phone call with his two t- head lawyers. His head lawyers would not have let him say anything that would have incriminated him on a phone call, especially to people that he, Trump has openly criticized and obviously were recording the phone call, right? So, um, how with all that having been said, Trump's not going to jail for this, right? He said some stuff that was very stupid. He said some stuff that was absolutely corrupt, Okay. Trump's not going to jail for this, though. We all know that. But the Democrats can, however, use this to make Trump look very, very poorly in front of the American people. They can use this to appeal to the American voter for themselves. So as much as people may not have liked the Russian probe or maybe the impeachment debacle and all the stuff with the Ukraine that went down, I know a ton of people that were even Democrats that were like, listen, the Democrats overblew that a little bit. It was a little too much over the course of the past four years. Well, it's cases like this where Trump is recorded asking people to do his bidding in a very corrupt way that makes those cases much more legitimate, okay? So when this kind of stuff happens, and this is not the first time that this kind of stuff has happened where Trump just sounds extremely corrupt, like he's just talking out of the side of his mouth, you know, trying to get people to do his bidding and whatnot. When, when these kind of phone calls surface... It, get, it lends credence to all that stuff that the Republicans have been doing for the past four years, okay? People around the country are going to look at that and they're going to be like, well, I heard that all this impeachment and everything that was going on with the Democrats was kind of far-fetched, but like, I don't know, maybe there was some truth to it because Trump is over here trying to bribe his own, uh, his own somebody in his own party in order to be able to flip election results. So uh, the second thing that happened, so the right, or I guess the right side of the aisle, um, there are two parts of the right, okay, like there have been for a while. There are those that are loud and defend Trump at absolutely all costs. doesn't matter what the moral costs are, the political costs, it doesn't matter what it is. The benefits of defending Trump wholeheartedly in order to be reelected or get his supporters is better than any of the ramifications that would come from actually defending him, okay? And the second people are the people that are quietly just waiting for Trump's day in the sun to be over, Okay. Notice how Mitch McConnell has not said one thing about this. Mitch McConnell hadn't been in the news talking about this at all. 
I'm sure he's been asked. No, but he doesn't care. It's not that he doesn't care. He's just, he knows. He's sitting back and relaxing. Meanwhile, you have all of the people that have defended Trump all along, all coming out and saying something. Um, and it's the same story, right? It's always the same story. It's the media are terrible, and the media are spinning this in a way that is not uh, conducive to Trump. The media are taking him out of context. Trump didn't actually say all that. Did you listen to the phone call? Of course that's not what was said, right? And it's not even doubling down anymore, all right? This is do a deck, deck bling. Do a deck bling, all right? Do a deck bling, which is to the 12th time. Yes, I had to look that up, obviously, because I could not pronounce it. But it's not just doubling down. They're do a deck bling at this point, okay? Their defense is always the same. And at some point, right, you have to be able to stop and be like, all right, yes, I can agree with and I understand and I know that the media hate Trump. Of course, they absolutely hate him. And that has been going on for years now. And there's, that's not going to change anytime soon. Of course, the media are out to get Trump. Absolutely. But not all of Trump's problems are caused by the media. Okay? Sometimes... Trump does things that are very, very not beneficial for Trump and also terrible for the Republican Party, okay? Sometimes he just does that, okay? It's not always the media, and yes, the media, you know, they always are always hating on Trump and they're always trying to stop his agenda, but as much as these Republicans want to come to his defense, they can't really actually defend what he did. So they've, they're going to have to shift the blame a little bit and obviously blame something else. The other group of people that are not defending Donald Trump are just sitting back and not saying a word. They're letting him crumble. They're letting him burn. They're like, listen, he's going to be out in a couple of weeks. Once he's out of office, he can do whatever he wants to do. It's not going to be affecting my politics any, anymore. going to do what I want to do. So personally, I'm not surprised by this at all. I think this is there's definitely corrupt stuff going on. I'm not even close to being naive enough to think that Donald Trump does not have a lot of these backdoor conversations, right, where he's kind of talking out of the side of his mouth and he's asking people to do his bidding for him, right? That happens in politics all the time, all right? Trump is not immune to it. Pelosi's not immune to it. Schumer's not immune to it. McConnell's not immune to it. Like, this is what all these politicians do, all right? And as much as any of you want to think that Donald Trump was not a politician or is not a politician, come on. That man's been running New York City real estate for his entire life. That's the deepest in politics you can get. So, um, the fact still remains that Trump was purposefully communicating with the Georgia Secretary of State that he wanted election results to change. Obviously, shady stuff, okay? Everyone knows what Trump was trying to do there because Trump has openly been saying that he wants to be able to flip the election results. You can't, you know, just act like Trump is not trying to do that, right? He's obviously having conversations with that Georgia Secretary of State for a reason. So, whenever something like this happens, I, I always try my best to flip it around and, like, put the shoe on the other foot, like... If I heard Joe, heard Joe Biden on a phone call doing the exact same thing with the state that Trump won, that was as close as the one that Trump is, you know, this Georgia uh, state election, I would probably look at it and be like, that's not good. Somebody needs to hold Joe Biden accountable for that, right? Like, I, I would not be comfortable with that at all. I would think that's not good stuff. Just, we have to do the exact same thing for Trump, okay? You know that if Biden did that, Fox News, Daily Wire, every single one of these Republican pundits would be going out there screaming and yelling and jumping up and down. They'd be trying to remove Biden from the presidency, okay? They'd be trying to, you know, prosecute him before he even got into the presidency. So, um, 
I don't think, I do think in a lot of ways that the media and the Democrats, of course, have worked tirelessly to undermine Trump and his agenda, but things like this definitely don't help Trump's case, and uh, I think this hurt him a lot, especially the Republicans, uh, helped the Repub- hurt the Republicans a lot heading into Georgia, which is actually this next story that we're going to get into. Story number two. So for our second story of the day, the results from the Georgia senatorial race start to trickle in, and I am sure that all of you, just like me, were up all night long waiting on these results, just refreshing the news page over and over and over again, just, man, please tell me who won this election, and it has been an incredibly close race so far, just like everybody thought that it was going to be. I don't think that there's any way that you actually can call it as of right now, which is at about 6 to 7 o'clock on Wednesday morning. Um, The polls closed at 7 p.m. last night, and the pundits were salivating at the opportunity for some craziness to happen, okay? Um, I was looking at it around nine or ten last night as well, and it was, you know, still it had John Ossoff and Warnock, uh, Raphael Warnock, who are the Democratic candidates, uh, up on uh, Kelly Loeffler and uh, David Perdue last night, and as when I woke up this morning, it's the exact same thing. So, obviously this stuff could change completely by the time that you guys actually listen to the podcast, but at this point it looks like the Democrats are going to hold Georgia, okay? It looks like the Democrats are are going to win Georgia, rather, I should say. So this means a lot of things, okay? And we will actually get get into that in our third story of the day. Um, But it looks like at this point, uh, uh, John Ossoff, Raphael Warnock, all of their campaigning, all of their going out there and fighting against David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler when, you know, Perdue and Loeffler really wouldn't fight back against them, have paid off, and they are looking like they're going to seal the victory and actually win it for the Democrats, which would mean that the Democrats hold the Senate, with uh, Vice President Kamala Harris being the tying vote. So, what are the ramifications for this, and how did the Democrats actually win this? Well, in order to be able to get into that, we're going to have to look look at that in our third story of the day, story number three. So I know that our second story was incredibly slow, but that was very purposeful because we want to hop in and actually look at how the Democrats won it, uh, if they did, and you know what exactly the ramifications of all that would be. So if anyone was wondering whether or not I bring you all of the best news and insights here on Split the Difference podcast, here's a fantastic example. So if you remember back to late last week, And early this week, I talked a lot about how I thought that the Democrats were going to go out and all of a sudden start campaigning really, really hard on these stimulus check things if Mitch McConnell decides to blackball it. Well, it happened. And Joe Biden was up there, I mean, just putting on a clinic earlier this week. So here is... Here is Joe Biden (laughs) down in Georgia talking. Uh, This is reported by uh, CBS News. By electing John and the Reverend, you can make an immediate difference in your own lives, the lives of the people all across this country, because their election will put an end to the block in Washington, that $2,000 stimulus check, that money that will go out the door immediately, tell people who are in real trouble. Think about what it will mean to your lives, putting food on the table, paying rent, paying problems your mortgage, paying down the credit card, paying the phone bill, the gas bill, the electric bill. Just look around. 
millions of people in this country out of work through no fault of their own, no fault of their own. They're struggling. Many are fearful and many have given up hope. Look at the lines at food banks. Hours and hours and hours. This is the United States of America, for God's sake. And their food lines. All right. And there is Joe Biden sounding just as crisp and sharp as ever, right? Joe Biden, that whew, great mind right there. So, I mean, if you watch the video, it literally looks like at any point a slight gust of wind will sweep across the stage and grab Joe Biden and just take him away. Um, so we're seeing now really the pitch from the Democrats, um, especially heading in to Tuesday's election in Georgia. We were seeing that kind of take shape on Monday night, uh, heading into Tuesday, and then especially on Tuesday um, as people went to the polls, okay? And, uh, but they're not blaming, basically what they did was they weren't blaming Trump for that stimulus check and all everything, you know, not happening. They were blaming the Republicans because Trump backed it, right? They can't blame Trump, but they're blaming the Republicans as a whole. And the pitch is very simple. You heard it from Joe Biden just now. If you want money in your pocket, you need to vote Democrat. Okay? It's pretty simple. It's an easy pitch for the Georgia voters to see and understand. That's all they had to say. So when Trump got down for his rally in Georgia, and I talked about this a little tiny bit on Monday, he actually did not, or not on Monday, I talked about it a little bit earlier in this podcast. When Trump got down for his rally <laughs> down in Georgia, he didn't even really talk about either of the senators. He didn't talk about Purdue or Loeffler hardly at all. Right, he like welcomed her on stage and was like, "Oh yeah, look at these great people, man. These great people are so just tremendous, tremendous job." But he went on like a fifteen-minute rant about how Biden didn't actually win, about how he won, and about how Trump was the true winner of the presidency, and that they were going to flip the election results. You know that Kelly Loeffler. And David Perdue on Monday were sitting next to that stage and looking at Donald Trump and being like, dude, what? What are you doing? Get out of here right now. Like, you're supposed to be convincing these people to vote for us. You already had your chance and it looks like you lost, okay? We still have a chance. We're on the ballots. We need for you to be up here telling these people to go out and vote for me and for him. Oh, man, cracking me up. So, uh, Biden later on went and said that the Republican senators think that they have sworn an oath to Trump and not to the Constitution. So these are some very strong arguments from the Democrats heading into Tuesday. And it shows that the Democrats, in a lot of ways, if they have control, they're not going to be afraid to spend money. And they're definitely not afraid to mudsling at the Republicans. Okay, So when Biden is saying that these Republican senators feel like they've sworn an oath to Donald Trump and not the Constitution. He is pointing directly at all of the different, all the corruption, all the stuff that has happened, all this crazy stuff that Trump has been spewing out of his head for the past two months. And Loeffler and Purdue basically just getting down on all of it and being like, this is, we're going to double down, double down, double down, double down. Trump is our guy. If we don't have Trump, there's no way we're going to win, right? So it sounds like Biden, in a lot of ways, has two plans going into the next couple of weeks, okay? 
In the next couple weeks, he's going to be inaugurated. He's going to be starting his presidency, okay? And in the first 100 days of every president's administration, they pretty much set the tone for what that administration is going to be there for, okay? You see every single president, once they get in, everybody's worried about the first 100 days, okay? And there's a reason for that. The first 100 days, a lot of times, is used... Um, quote-unquote fixing what the president before you did, but also establishing a lot of your agenda, okay? It's, it's going to be all appointing all of your people. It's going to be trying to get, you know, the, the the ball rolling on some of the things that are going to take much longer for your administration to be able to do. And it kind of shows the American people what kind of president you're going to be. Well, it looks like Biden is really going to have two plans going into it, and they're both very, very contingent upon whether or not the Democrats win in Georgia. First is if the Democrats win they, and they now hold the House, the Senate, and the presidency, there's going to be a much more progressive agenda that starts to take place because they're not going to be blackballed or held back by Mitch McConnell in the Senate anymore. The other is if they don't win and he has to scale back some of his initiatives. So... It's looking like the Democrats are going to win, okay? And if the Democrats win, there will be absolutely a push to start getting more progressive and more left-leaning things pushed through Congress. It's the exact same thing that you saw in 2016 when the Republicans went in and they tried to get a lot of their more conservative agendas pushed through. They tried to completely dismantle uh, the entirety of Obamacare, right? They didn't do it. Right, but they tried. That was a much more conservative uh, thing that the Republicans were trying to push through because they knew they had control of the House, Senate, and presidency. So, I think that this will uh, the Democrats' more progressive agenda will center around a couple of things in the first half of Biden's presidency, and they will have to work together very intricately if the Democrats are careful, so that uh, it is done well and the economy doesn't collapse. Okay, so. The first thing, and you were hearing this from Biden just now, is stimulus, okay? Uh, the last thing that the Democrats can possibly afford is for Biden to get in, implement a ton of new taxes, and the economy basically collapse as a result of it, right when it's about to start getting going again. So, the first thing that they're going to want to do is pass a ton of new stimulus, okay? And this new stimulus will go, likely, far beyond just the $1,400 that they are saying that they want to pass right now. Right. Like you have to if we think back to around June, July and August of last year, the Democrats were pushing the Heroes Act, if we all remember, which was at one point up to around three trillion dollars worth of stimulus. OK, three trillion dollars. That is a lot of money, folks. And this is I mean, th this is what they're going to be going for. They're going to be wanting to put a fourteen hundred dollar stimulus check, two thousand dollar stimulus check. Police, they're going to be giving another an extra four grand into every American's pocket. That's how you should know you want to vote Democrat. And basically, this money would dump into a ton of new things. Okay, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see if Joe Biden tried to weave a lot of his more economic plan and tax agenda into this uh, into this stimulus plan. But basically what they would do is they would probably start pumping money into things like health care, uh, environmental things that they you know would like to be able to get passed, and they would just cram all of this stuff into a stimulus bill and you know get it passed strictly upon party lines because that's how pretty much everything passes nowadays. 
and they would probably put as just absolutely flood the economy with cash as much as they possibly could. They would just have that that money printer with Jerome Powell just going as fast as they possibly could, okay? The second thing that they would do is then raise taxes, okay? So the Democrats are not stupid. They realize, like you and like me and like everybody else, that the money is not completely infinite. You have to be getting it from somewhere. And Biden has campaigned for a very long time on increasing taxes, okay? He very, very purposefully is going to walk in and as early as he can increase the taxes on the rich and on corporations, okay? That's how they're going to pay for all the stimulus. That's how they're going to pay for the deficit that we've got going right now. That's how they're going to pay for all of the spin, 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 is you got to just keep hiking taxes up, okay? The taxes will make a huge dent in the economy, all right? If you increase taxes by corporate tax rate by 10%, or if you increase, uh, you know, the taxes on the wealthier, you change the capital gains tax, or you make increase the uh, payroll, social security payroll tax, all of these things are going to make a huge dent on the economy because that's all of a sudden, right, 10% that you have to pay that you didn't before. That's a lot of money for anybody to account for. So, um, all of a sudden, all these corporations that have been absolutely killing it over the past four years under the Trump tax law will start feeling the sting of having to pay more money, right? So one thing that the Democrats will have to be incredibly careful of is actually not making the economy heat up too fast. And I know that sounds crazy. Like, what? How in the world could they make it heat up too fast? You know, don't you want the economy to grow really, really quickly? Austin, you're, you're ridiculous. So if the economy is flooded with cash, okay, at the same time, and the vaccine is starting to be widely circulated and businesses are opening back up, at the same time that the people that have been cooped up for months and months and months now are able to go out and actually start spending all of this newfound stimulus money, it will, and also at the time when there's an ultra low interest rate, some of the lowest interest rates that you've ever seen, are all uh, at the, happening at the exact same, same time, uh, People are going to go out and start blowing dough as fast as they possibly can, and you're going to see an economy that is booming very, very, very quickly, okay? That leads to incredibly fast inflation. You have business ABC that comes in, and they're like, oh my goodness, we're making so much money, more money than we've ever made before. Let's go out and borrow from a bank in order to be able to get new systems, in order to be able to hire another person. Uh, you know, all the stuff that they need in order to keep up with all this new demand, they go out and do that, then the demand actually decreases a little bit because people go back to their homes, they're used to the normal again, demand actually goes back to normal levels, and they're still on the hook to be able to pay that loan back to the banker, right? That's how recessions happen. That's how recessions start. So the last thing that the Biden administration would want is to be able to get out, dump all the stimulus into the economy, and then it actually end up hurting the economy because the economy is heating up way too fast. I'm sure that he's going to have Janet Yellen in there working with Jerome Powell there at the Fed, talking about ways to be able to heat the economy up and slow the economy down and basically try to turn all the dials that they can to keep things controlled, even though it's almost impossible to do that. <laughs> so with all of that having been said, that is the end of our last story of the day. Let's hop on in to the ending story, something that made me smile. So, something that made me smile this week, actually... Uh, has to do with all these ultra low rates. I was able to refinance my house, okay? And let me tell you, it was awesome, okay? Now, signing all the paperwork is terrible, but being able to get interest rates as low as they are at right now is absolutely mind-blowing. Like, 
I cannot imagine getting an interest rate lower than this right now. Okay. If you, and it, you know, that's what's causing people to go out and buy houses and buy all these different things and be able to invest in their businesses. It's pretty incredible that we have interest rates as low as we do. So I know that maybe that doesn't really help y'all out very much, but it definitely made me smile this week being able to get an incredibly low interest rates and be able to refinance my house and save a bunch of money every month. So if you haven't done that, probably should do it. So with all that, that is the end of the show for today. Thank you for stopping in and for checking us out. Remember, as always, find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, on my website at splitthedifference.com. Please give me a like, a subscribe, a five star, and a thumbs up. All those things go such a long way to be able to help me out and get me out into the ether that is the internet. As always, y'all remember, we're going to do our best to stay level-headed. We're going to do our best to always be reasonable. And of course, we're going to split the difference. This is Austin Taylor.